0: Ever wonder how's it possible for us to forget God especially when God has been so so good to us so so faithful so so loving to us I mean how is that possible to just up and forget God Well the book of Deuteronomy seeks to answer that question Today welcome again we find ourselves in journey through scripture we're in this fifth book of the Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, we're taking one book of the Bible each week and I'm hoping to do two things in that book of the Bible. The first thing is give a narrative summary of that book of the Bible and the second thing is take a sample passage found in that book of the Bible that relates to us modern day people. Okay, so everyone ready to go? Uh, Here here we go, narrative summary for the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, And by the way, when we're talking about a narrative summary, we're asking questions when we get to any book of the Bible, and we're asking, why was this book written? Who was this book written to? Who's the author of this book? What is the author's intent in writing the book? What are the major themes in this book? What is God hoping to do in shaping his people through this book? So let's start with our narrative summary of the book of Deuteronomy. By the way, if you're just joining us, we uh, today are concluding the first five books of the Bible known as the Pentateuch, written by Moses. And so today's a great place to just jump right in if you're just now joining us. Uh, We also invite you to go back and listen to the other Narrative summaries and sermons on those other first four books of the Bible. And we also invite you to journey along with us as we journey through Scripture. Well, in our narrative summary, Deuteronomy is a sermon. And you were just thinking, oh, I need another sermon. (laughs) Well, Deuteronomy is approximately three sermons given by Moses. Deuteronomy is a book of... Reminders, yeah, we have a shocking shocking ability to forget God. And so Moses is writing to remind God's people. He wants to remind them, uh, remember all that God has done for you. Remember your failures and the treacherous outcome of pride. And remember not to follow the other gods, we have a selective memory. We uh, know that it comes when it comes to remembering the blessings of God. We have a selective memory, and so we need reminders. Why does Deuteronomy show up at this point in the story? Well, a time clue for us is that this book called Deuteronomy is uh, the, the the time lapse that's happening here. The time span is anywhere from a few days to about a month worth of of time. And so it's just before the Israelites are going to cross the Jordan River and go into the promised land of Canaan. They had just come out of 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and that first generation there of the nation of Israel has died off. Moses is about to die and he knows that. Moses knows that he's, Not going to enter the promised land, but before he dies, he's going to give these three sermons to this group. It's a succession narrative. He knows, Moses knows, that he's not going to enter the promised land, that there's going to be a successor. Joshua is going to lead God's people into the promised land. So that we'll cover next, uh, whenever we get into the next book of the Bible, Joshua. Well, the rhetorical style of this book, we've already said that Moses is preaching and his rhetorical, uh, his rhetorical style here is he's trying to motivate the listeners. He's trying to motivate them to follow and obey God by constantly assuring them of God's faithfulness, assuring them of God's love and God's power to keep his promises. So Moses' uh, rhetorical tool here is not to give them a lot of guilt or a lot of shame. In fact, he doesn't do that at all. Um, And unlike any other leader, he's not trying to motivate those people with shame or guilt, nor is he trying to just give them lots of motivation. But he's trying to give them uh, uh, motives for obedience by constantly reminding them that God has been faithful. Therefore, you should be faithful as well. So, the major theme of this book is to remember the Lord your God. It's a book of reminders. And so, this, this word, remember, and other words like don't forget, be careful. Take heed, beware, be diligent, keep watch. I mean, words like that appear in this book over a hundred times. So the key theme of the book is remember the Lord your God. The summary verse here of the entire book. Uh, The book is about 30. The book is 34 chapters, and a summary verse of the entire book is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Well, the last thing we want to say or ask in our narrative summary is how does the book of Deuteronomy relate to me? Well, the book of Deuteronomy is as important to you and I today as it was to that original audience listening to it. It's just that important. We are prone to forget God. We have such a selective memory when it comes to remembering God, who God is, God's faithfulness, God's love towards us. And so we are to remember the story that we've been made a part of. That's how this book relates to you. We're to remember the God who has poured Out his grace upon you. And we're to remember to live by that grace of God. There's our narrative summary of the book of Deuteronomy. And so now I'm going to choose a sample passage that's going to be very relevant for us today. I've chosen uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. There are 20 verses in this chapter, and so those will be, that's our key passage today that we're looking at. And I want to ask three life-giving questions today. Yeah, three life-giving questions to remember. Question number one, who's leading you? Question number two, who are you praising? Question number three, what other gods... Are you prone to follow? Well, you may find yourself just coming out of a wilderness and about to enter into something new, as this original audience did, and they need to be asking these questions that we're going to be asking today. In fact, Moses in his sermon, he's helping that original audience reflect on these type questions. Or you may be in a wilderness situation right now, and yes, you need to be asking these questions to help you move forward well let me read the passage here in deuteronomy chapter 8 i invite you to look on our qr code there above us and follow along in these verses or uh, pick up your old school bible and just read along with us here in deuteronomy chapter 8 be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commandments, his laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, And when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors, as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed, like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. Wow, remember the Lord your God. Let's let's pray right now, let's pause and pray wherever you find yourself listening to this, pray, pray right now. Let's pray. Father God, help us. Help us as we look at this story. Help us see that we have shocking, shocking forgetfulness of your faithfulness. And help us see how gracious you are to remember your promise and your covenant. And by doing so, motivate us to follow you, motivate us to obey you. We thank you so much and we pray all this in the name of King Jesus who enables us to follow and who enables us to obey, amen. Who are you following is our first question here. Again, you may be coming out of a wilderness, you may be counting the days, hoping you can hurry up and get out of the wilderness. Well, whether you're coming out of a wilderness or maybe you're about to go into a wilderness or whether you feel like you're stuck in a wilderness, here's the very first question that's gonna help you navigate life forward. Who is leading you? Moses. Look at Moses' sermon here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. And imagine yourself right there listening To Moses, as he gives this sermon, Moses is about to die. Moses is, this is Moses' farewell speech. You'd be sitting on the edge of your seat wanting to know everything that he wants to pass along to you. And we have that privilege right now to listen, to listen in on this. Verse two, he says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. He's letting them know and he's letting us know that in terms of who's leading you, this God who is leading you tests you. This God whom leads you is leading you through a wilderness. And learning to trust is a daily endeavor because we're chronically prone to lean on our own strength. We're chronically prone to lean on our own resources and understanding. And so we need to be weaned of that. And the wilderness is a miraculous, beautiful, powerful place that God weans us from self-reliance. And Christianity, Christianity, being a follower of Christ, is not like learning the capital of California that once you learn the capital of California, you'll never forget it again. No, no. Knowledge doesn't work that way. Biblical knowledge, knowing God, doesn't work that way. Knowledge of God has to be lived. It's learned over time. Christian faith must be lived in order to be learned. C.S. Lewis, studying there as a literary scholar at Oxford writes, I believe in the Bible the same way I believe in the sun. Not because I can see the sun, but because by the sun I can see everything else. The Bible will explain your story better than any other story. Who's leading you? Who's leading you? This is a question that we all have to ask. And for C.S. Lewis, And other Christians, what we've realized by the grace of God is that there's no other story. There's no other story that explains my story. There's no other leader competent like this leader, God, and this leader, Jesus, to to entrust my life to. Verse 7 here in our passage, he, 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 Moses, is reminding us that God is bringing you into a good land. You, you may be fearful thinking, God is trying to kill me in this desert. And, and a lot like the Israelites who, who were doubting Moses' leadership, thinking, Moses, you've just led us out here in the wilderness to kill us. Can't we just go back to Egypt when, when at least we knew what we were going to be eating? Who's leading you? Moses is reminding them this is a good God. He's going to bring you into a good land. He has good in store for you. Yes, there will be suffering. Yes, there will be ambiguity in the story and complexity that challenge your faith. Verse 9, he goes on to say, A land where you will lack nothing. Again, who are you following? Folks, this God knows all of your needs. You're going to lack nothing. He's going to bring you into a place of contentment. St. Ignatius of Loyola once said, you must place yourself in the story and most importantly, not in the role of God. Who are you following? (laughs) Not ourselves, not ourselves. St. Ignatius of Loyola says to place ourselves in the story, we must find ourselves in this story. And in locating ourselves in this story, number one, we're not God. We need a leader. We need a competent, loving, faithful God. Yet look at our shocking unfaithfulness, forgetfulness, and ingratitude. Notice the Israelites wandering there in the wilderness. Think back with me. There in the last few books of the Bible that we've looked at, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers There's the people of God. God has delivered them from Egypt, from their slavery. He set them free and he gives them ten commandments as a gift. And we look at that story and we think how stupid those people were. How ridiculous. God showed himself with miraculous, very clear power in saving them. And yet they forget God. How ungrateful, how unfaithful, how forgetful those people are. But but wait a minute, that's you. That's me. We are those people. We forget God. We are just as susceptible to have a high high with God, to see God do something miraculous and special for us and, and praise God for it and then forget God. Today, we might pray something like, God, God, just show me your faithfulness and I'll never, ever forget you. I promise. Just show me a sign and I'll never, ever doubt you again. Guess what? You would doubt God again. Guess what? You would forget God again. And you ask, well, how do you know that? How do I know that? Well, look in the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, again, reminds us The book of Exodus reminds us that right after they pass through the Red Sea, God delivers them, does something amazing, right? You remember what they did? They sang a song to God. They're dancing, there's tambourines, they're praising God for what he had done. And then they forget God. They start to grumble against God. They start to grumble against Moses. See, when we read that story, we tend to be very self-righteous when we read that story. Oh, that would never be me. We tend to read the Bible in the same way, a very self-righteous way. We typically read the stories of Jesus. You know, Jesus is with the lepers. Jesus is with the prostitutes. He's interacting with the blind. He's interacting uh, with the Pharisees. And we think that we're like Jesus in the story. Rather... We're like all the other characters in the story that need Jesus. We're all the other characters in the story. And the more we can get that and understand that and find our place in the story, the more compassionate we're going to be on people because we understand that that's who's leading us. That is this gracious and compassionate God. The real problem is not across from you, out there in the world somewhere, in in someone else. The real problem is in you. Yeah, that interpersonal conflict between family, uh, interpersonal conflict that you might be having between you and coworkers, instead of seeing them as the problem, them as shockingly inconsistent and unfaithful, And entitled, we need to see ourselves in that way. We need to find ourselves in the story in that way. And the sooner, the sooner you know that that, that this is about yourself in the story, you'll be less surprised when you see it in others. When we learn that, that we are that unfaithful towards God, you'll be a lot more gracious when you see it in others. Because their faults their shortcomings, their unfaithfulness, their forgetfulness towards God will remind you of your own. So people who know this about themselves, they are compassionate towards others. You see that you need that grace of God so you readily give it away to others. You no longer react when people... Uh, When when you don't need, uh, someone doesn't meet your expectations. You're not a cynic, but you're a realist. You're seeing their humanity. You're giving others and you're giving yourself permission to be human. That's what Moses is doing in this sermon. Who's leading you means you can't lead yourself. Embrace your humanity. Embrace the divine. Allow the divine to lead you. Not only uh, do we learn to embrace ourselves as a deeply flawed human being, but we also learn to embrace ourselves as deeply loved by God. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes, when you know this, then no one can harm you. No one can say anything that's too bad. Who's leading you? Allow this God, allow this King Jesus, which the Old Testament is pointing towards. Allow this God to be the one who leads you. Second question we're asking here is, who are you praising? Who are you praising? Look at verse 10 with me. Moses says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God. See, Moses already knows a lot about our human nature. He knows that whenever we experience something good, when something good happens, we're going to celebrate. We're going to sing the praises of someone or of something. And he says, whenever that happens to you, when you enter this land, this promised land that's been promised to you and you you are going to enter it, it's going to happen. God will be faithful. And when you enter it, he says, praise the Lord your God. Verse 11, he says, be careful that you do not forget God. Here's what makes us forget God. Look in verse 12 and 13. He says, becoming full, becoming prosperous, building homes to live in, flocks and herds become very large, your silver and your gold multiplies. And then in verse 14, and by the way, all of those things are not bad. Those are blessings from the Lord. But verse 14 says, then your heart will be proud and you're prone to be lifted up. That is your own view of yourself gets lifted up and you will forget the Lord your God if you rely on those things. And that's pride. Pride is willful arrogance to depend on ourselves. Verse 15, he says, uh, He led you through the great and terrifying wilderness. Here's here's another thing that makes us forget. We we feel like that we're being punished. That's why God led us in the wilderness. So there's fear. Fear makes us forget God. Feeling like God isn't going to give me what I need. God doesn't know me enough to know what I truly want. And therefore, I'll find a different God. I'll follow a different God since God looks like he doesn't care for me or it looks as if God has forgotten me. Verse 16, who are you praising? God reminds them about the manna that God gave them manna to eat in the wilderness those 40 years. Well, now I want you to take out a calculator right now either in your iPhone or do the math in your head but God fed them manna for 40 years in the wilderness. Quick calculation, they were to collect the manna six days a week, not seven, but six days a week. And then on the seventh day, they were to rest. God was gonna provide a double portion on the sixth day so that they could rest on the seventh day. But quick calculation, six days a week for 40 years, 12,480 days of manna. Would that have left you praising God or would that have left you grumbling? And what does this tell us? For 12,480 days of training, 12,480 days of learning, 12,480 days of being humbled. What does that tell us? It, It tells us that it took a long time to squeeze pride out of them. It takes a long time for God to wean us from self-reliance. It takes a long time for God to wean us from us trying to secure our own future. What about teaching a man to fish so that he can feed himself? Rather, God will be faithful to provide for you. Moses is telling these people. Who are you going to praise? Who are you praising? The New Testament, all of those doubters, all of those doubters in the New Testament. And once again, we are those people. They say there in the New Testament, Jesus, what sign can you give us so that we can believe you? And Jesus tells those people, my father gave you a sign. Speaking of God the Father, my father gave you a sign and gives you true bread from heaven. Jesus was helping those people remember the manna which fell there in the wilderness for those people, equating himself to that manna. Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I am the one that you should be praising. I am the one that's going to fulfill you. Jesus is the one that strengthens our faith day by day. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread. Here's the great news about the gospel. Here's the great news in Moses' sermon when he brings up that word manna. <laughs> it's to remember them day by day. You start over again every day. God's grace is God, and God's mercy is new. It's fresh every day. That's always been a part of this gospel story. Benedict put it 1,500 years ago this way, always we begin again. But we think this training is a punishment from God. We think this wilderness is a punishment, but see, training is an acknowledgement of how fickle we are and how frail we tend to be in our faith. So this wilderness is a gift to train us, to humble us. Faith is the assurance of God's benevolence to you. It's a daily choice to believe in God's benevolence, God's provision, God's goodness. And oh, that choice is very, very difficult. The real circumstances that come against you. That keep you from believing in God's benevolence. They had real reason to doubt. They are in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. You and I have real reason to doubt right now. Yet, yet, the choice is laid here before us. Where is your confidence today? Where is your comfort going to come from today? And the answer is in another book of the Old Testament called Lamentations, chapter 3, that says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Let's get to this third question. What other gods are you prone to follow? Now, a major portion of Deuteronomy is a warning. It's a warning because they're headed into the promised land and they're going to be presented with other identities. They're going to be presented with other gods and other idols. Kierkegaard, famous philosopher, says, despair is refusing to be oneself. That is, despair is not being at rest with who you really are. So, this idea about being prone to follow other gods comes from forgetting who God is and forgetting your own identity in God. Idolatry will tempt them. Moses tells them that they're going to forget this God of grace and that they're gonna worship false gods. And not only will idolatry tempt them, but idolatry will tempt you too. We have shocking forgetfulness. Again, the review of Exodus that God said, I've redeemed you, I saved you, I rescued you. Now, have no other gods before me. I'm the only living and true God. Don't make for yourself an idol. Don't follow the other gods. Then what's the first thing that they do after hearing God say that to them? After God gives them those commandments, reminding them who he is, what's the first thing they do? They construct a golden calf and they start worshiping this golden calf. They completely forget the God who brought them out of slavery. They take off their earrings and nose rings and they give it to Aaron. And Aaron helps them construct an idol, a golden calf, so that they can follow this and give and attribute praise to this idol. See, idolatry happens when we forget how much grace God has given us. That's when idolatry happens and oh, it's so subtle and oh, we are so susceptible to it. Look in verse 19, this warning that comes to us through Moses. Verse 19 says, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. That's what will kill you. The wilderness won't kill you, by the way. Here's what will kill you: idolatry. That's what Moses is is saying will utterly destroy you, that will utterly dehumanize you, is idolatry. And that we're called to live, to respond to this God of grace. That our identity should shape how we relate to our spouse. It should shape how we have relationships with other people. Our identity with God should shape how we do our career. It should shape how we parent our children, how we, grand, how we are grandparents to our grandchildren. It should shape how we spend our money. Our identity with God should shape how we treat the oppressed and the poor, And those who are suffering. Our identity should shape how I eat. And how I take care of my body. It should shape everything. Idolatries though can creep in. They can creep in and compete for my identity as a child of God. And that's what Moses is warning them of. The New Testament New Testament gives us a very, very similar warning found in the book of 1 John, chapter 5, verse 21. The writer there, John, says, Dear children, oh, I love that term of endearment he gives us as God's children. He says, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. The writer there, just like the writer in the Old Testament knows how destructive idolatry can really be. You might be saying right now, I'll keep believing, I'll keep trusting as long as God does this for me, whatever this is. I want you to ask this question to yourself right now to help deepen your faith. What prayer, if unanswered, would cause you to quit loving God? I'll repeat the question. What prayer, if unanswered, would cause you to quit loving God. And the exhortment here, the preaching here, the encouragement right here is to go ahead and go there and ask God to help you trust Him right there. Whatever that thing is that you feel like would totally make you stop believing in God, go ahead and let God know that and ask God to give you faith right there. The next question, What's going on in your life right now that reminds you that you need God? Ask God to give you faith right there. See, this fruit of faithfulness that the New Testament talks about is a work of God, that God grows in your life over time. God is the one growing that fruit of faithfulness in your life over time. Helping you believe that God is who he says that he is. Helping you believe that God will do what he says he's going to do. And helping you believe that God has your best interest at heart. And helping you wait on God to fulfill his promise. Now in conclusion, there's fresh, Faith for you and I in the present that's rooted in remembering God's faithfulness in the past. That's right. Call to mind God's faithfulness in the past. Ways that God has been faithful to you and that fuels your faith in your present day reality. Remember Psalm 116 that says, Return, O my soul. And and, and the writer is, he's preaching to himself. He's reminding his soul, Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Or Psalm 103 where he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. That's the reminder for us today. Remember the Lord your God. Why don't we pray right now? Father God, help us. Help us to know that we are prone to forget. We're ungrateful. We're even suspicious sometimes of your leadership. Help us to choose to trust what you say is the truth about us so that we won't be scared, so that we won't be lonely or insecure in the wilderness. You are our leader, Lord Jesus, and that's why we pledge glad allegiance to you. Amen.